Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to an all-new episode of the Baseball Insiders. This time, it's going to be an episode primarily about what the hell just happened to the New York Mets in October. We're also going to talk about other things as well, as including our playoff predictions, which are already kind of off the rails. Robert Murray joining me as always. Welcome to the show. Uh, what a wild card weekend. Our predictions could not have gone any worse than they actually did, Adam. And also, like, nice to see you, by the way. I, I feel like I, I should have led with that. But, like, nice to see you as always, man. Nice to see you. Um, yeah, I didn't uh, – in the tweet announcing the stream, I didn't even mention, like, hey, come, you know, we're going to talk about our bad predictions because the show is called The Baseball Insiders and the predictions are supposed to be, like, good – like like inside good, but uh, first the the wild card series threw us both for a loop. That, as I said, we, we couldn't have done worse, man. I'll tell you, like I, I did not give enough credit, or actually we didn't give enough credit to just how good the Mariners and the Padres are. And like ever since those two teams won the series, I've had people around baseball, whether it's executives, agents, or scouts, or even other players. Um, have all said these two teams should not be overlooked. We can even say the same thing about the Philadelphia Phillies too, man. Yeah. And, I mean, we're seeing it right now with what they're doing to the Braves. They, they got to Max Freed early. Um, Nick Castellanos is doing his thing. Uh, I'll tell you, if he gets hot, boy, that lineup becomes even more dangerous. So, we're, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, it's got to love playoff baseball, man. So unpredictable. I loved every second of it, uh, especially the seconds of it where the Toronto Blue Jays uh, had a, an historic collapse, uh, the, the largest single-game playoff collapse in baseball history at home. Uh, sec, you know, Second biggest comeback ever behind the 1929 World Series of Philadelphia A's. I'm sure all of our uh, watchers remember that game. Uh, vividly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one, but this was basically, I mean, if you're going to pick a second big comeback, this was obviously the one. Uh, I believe that I said uh, we both picked the Jays. I think I said Jays and it's not even close. Not sure why I said that. Not true. It was, in fact, not close when the Mariners swept. Uh, we both gave the Mets the edge. We both gave the Cardinals the edge over the Phillies, although I, I cautioned everybody. I wondered if we were, you know, giving uh, St. Louis a little too much credit uh, based on their rotation and the fact that, like, I don't know, Miles Michaelis? I don't know, Jose Quintana? Like, are we sure the Phillies aren't going to make a little run at this? Uh, but it was just like a little question. I still picked the Cardinals and they lost. Uh, but we were right about the Guardians. Shout out to hey, us. We're one right. Look at us go, Adam. We're one for four. Or are we two for four? Are we one for four? I think one we're four. one for four. But the, the hey. scrappy young Guardians, 
Uh, head in Yankee Stadium tonight to face the Bronx Bombers. That series could go one of two ways. It's a coin flip. Uh, we'll get to predicting our, uh, our, our next couple of uh, DS series by the end of this episode. Of course, uh, I mean, the things we were wrong about in the wild card round, St. Louis being dangerous to move on. Instead, it was sort of a Yachty and Pujols little uh, an exhale, a sigh, rather than a big old last gasp. Blue Jays and Mariners blow out in the wrong direction. And most importantly, perhaps the Mets rotation dominating the Padres, which not only did the Mets lose this series in three, they took the middle game behind Jacob deGrom, but that rotation did not do much of anything. Max Scherzer, uh, I think, became the first pitcher in playoff history to allow seven runs and four homers in a game. Uh, He's basically never done that in his life. Chris Bassett's potential final start. In Queens for the Mets at City Field did not go well either. Didn't escape, uh, didn't get to the fifth. Uh, very uh, confusing series where uh, maybe if you picked the Padres to prevail, maybe you're saying like, all right, tight games, Darvish and Musgrove step up, and there's a late Manny Machado, Homer, some fireworks, some heroics. No, the Padres just kind of beat the hell out of the Mets in both games one and three. And this is going to be an offseason full of questions for that team. What do you think went wrong here to start? Yeah, I mean, at first you got to mention Max Scherzer and that start that he had. And there's no way that he was close to 100% healthy because, I mean, him along four home runs, he wasn't using his cutter much. And that's like a pretty telltale sign because he heard his oblique throwing that cutter. Um, And the fact he stayed away from it, I thought was telling. Um, and the fact that in game three, they could not hit Joe Musgrove. And we saw the, the ear situation with Buck Showalter and, and checking out Musgrove's ear. That was, um, and there was even, I can't remember who the reporter was, uh, but it was somebody in the New York market who ended up saying that he talked to two current or former major league pitchers um, who said that Buck Showalter should have actually done that earlier. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. So it kind of gives some validity behind um, Buck Showalter's thoughts. But, like, the Mets, they did not have their star players perform or step up in the biggest situations. It started with Scherzer, and then in the last game it was the offense, and they could not overcome that. And it leads into an offseason full of questions for them. Leads with Jacob deGrom, goes with Chris Bassett, Brandon Nimmo. They got a bunch of free agents on that roster. I am very intrigued to see what exactly they do here. Uh, we've mentioned the scenario plenty of times of DeGrom potentially leaving and then that opening up the door for a Verlander or um, Aaron Judge situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I'll tell you, like, I, there is a shot that DeGrom leaves. Like, I, I think everybody can agree with that because he's planning on opting out of his contract and free agency can provide a lot of different obstacles. I'm still of the belief that he's going to stay. Um, but I think John Heyman of, of the New York Post made a really good point in that the Mets cannot get stupid about offering DeGrom whatever. They can't offer him a blank check because that's going to ruin their flexibility in the future um, and to address other holes in the roster because they're going to lose some of these players. They're not going to be able to keep everybody. Um, but And there's like also a comment here from Joshua Waldick. I might be pronouncing that wrong, but if that's the case, I'm sorry, Joshua. But, Bert, please tell me that David Stearns will not leave Milwaukee. And that kind of leads me into my Mets point, is this series, the fact that the Mets lost, is it opens up the door for some potentially big changes. And Billy Epler, from everything I've gathered, he's, he's, he's safe. Same with Buck Showalter. 
Um, and I think both of them deserve to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is um, a chance that the Mets try to get somebody to go above Billy Epler. And obviously the name connected to them has been Stearns. Um, I would be surprised if Stearns left Milwaukee um, from everything that I've gathered. That is like Stearns is very comfortable in Milwaukee. He's got a good situation there. Uh, an owner who supports him. Um, obviously he grew up in New York, so I'm sure he'd be entertained by it. But right now things can change, of course, but I would be surprised if Stearns left Milwaukee. They're saying all the right things about Buck being safe, about Epler being safe. I think you raise a really interesting point about potentially elevating somebody over Epler. Uh, because as much as I think Met fans wanted to deny it, and as much as us pundits wanted to act like everything was hunky-dory for this 101-win team, they did not have a trade deadline that was very commensurate with the ability of the team overall. They did not get the big bat, uh, and they told us that they didn't need the big bat, and they told us they could string together singles, and they told us, you know, they've, we've done it all year. It's been this magical formula. Well, you, nothing against Musgrove, nothing against Darvish. No power, out homered uh, in spades by the Padres. You know, not even close. Um, and th- so the deadline is, a, it was a real concern. It's not like the bullpen really let them down, but they have a lead in the seventh inning of game two. Yep. And Buck is going, Can I use Edwin Diaz for nine outs tonight? Doesn't want to go to Ottavino, doesn't want to go to Drew Smith, doesn't want to go to really anybody other than uh, Timmy Trumpet's best friend himself, Edwin Diaz. So he comes in in the seventh. They rally. He stays in in the eighth for a little bit. They finally take him out. Ottavino comes in the ninth and struggles. Like So Buck was right because there really weren't any trustworthy names out there. So I think Epler needs to come under fire here. And you're right. The, the Buck Showalter stuff, um, you know, sort of an overrated resume. Now 10 and 16 in the playoffs. No games won in the championship series in either the NL or AL. Uh, and he's trending downward there. But But then again... Uh, he came under a lot of fire, not for for his previous resume or for playoff failures. He, he was sort of under the microscope for the ear check, mostly. Uh, you know, the Musgrove moment was the sixth inning, the right time to do it. Can you ever disrespect somebody like that? Uh, Michael Wilbon on PTI yesterday said uh, Musgrove should have fired a fastball into the dugout and he hopes Buck Showalter never wins a game again. I thought that was a jarring reaction. Uh, what was your take on that situation? Because I honestly didn't, I didn't have a problem with it either way. I saw the spin rates rising like everybody else. I saw the screenshots. I don't think you should be managing the dugout based off Twitter screenshots, but there was reason to be suspicious there. Uh, the umpires didn't want to react to it. It's tough to react to it in such a high profile game in a moment, but I didn't think it was the wildest thing for him to accuse Musgrove of. A lot of people seem to think this was crossing a significant line. I wonder where you land here. Yeah, like for me, if you're going to accuse somebody of something like that, you can't miss. Um, And obviously he missed because the umpires did not find anything um, suspicious in his ear. But that being said, he had probable cause. The spin rate was was clearly much higher than it was. Like it was clear that he had something shiny on his ear. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like he was basing it off of just like gut. I mean, he had two pretty – like he had probable cause – um, and obviously he was wrong. So, I mean, I obviously covered both sides of the argument here, so I'm playing Switzerland, but that being <laughs> said, um, like, I think I'm okay with it. I'm honestly okay with it, especially like if your season's on the line and you don't like, I think you got to check. Um, cause that was a pretty crucial game. So I don't have any issue with it, but, um, 
yeah, I know I know a bunch of different people did, and I mean everybody's got the right to an opinion, but Twitter was was going pretty bananas. Yeah, I I didn't really have a problem with it. It obviously was it was meant to evoke another firestorm. He didn't do it, you know, just for the game to you know he did. He wanted to create a distraction. He wanted to create a situation. Uh, and it did not motivate the Mets in the way that it maybe should have. Let's talk the, the Mets free agents specifically. Because uh, we think it seems like Buck is safe. Seems like Epler's safe. Maybe someone comes in over his head. But they're coming back. Uh, Steve Cohen is the number one spender in the universe. But that doesn't mean this whole core is coming back as is. I'm not sure if you even want to run this team back based on what we just saw. Uh, clear weaknesses, the back end of the rotation, maybe the front end of the rotation, certainly the bullpen and the power sources. Uh, so in addition to DeGrom, you've got Brandon Nimmo's a free agent. Chris Bassett's got a mutual option. Edwin Diaz, their superstar closer, is a free agent. Taiwan Walker could be gone. DeGrom, of course. Uh, are there any of these guys who you would say are safe or are these any of these guys who you would say are certainly out? I wouldn't rule any of them out. If I was the Mets, I would prioritize both DeGrom and Edwin Diaz. Um, and like that, we can kind of get into some questions that are like Mets related into the comments here. Yeah. Um, I would prioritize those two guys. I also think Brandon Nimmo is going to have a relatively strong market because I think he's a, a very strong, he's a very good player. And he's one of the more clear cut like options for outfielder that are going to be available. Um, so he might end up getting priced out of the Mets range, but for a guy like Edwin Diaz, this is going to be an unprecedented deal for a closer. Like we're, we're probably looking around the hundred million dollar mark. And when's the last time a closer has been there? Has there ever been a closer that's gotten a hundred million? Like that's the kind of conversation we're having with Ed, Edwin Diaz now. Yeah, It remains to be seen that the Mets are willing to do that or, and, or if they prefer to use their resources in different places. Um, so, and regarding Jacob DeGrom, like that deal to me, I, we've talked about this before. I, Max Scherzer got three years. I would imagine DeGrom gets three to five years in that range for an AAV that's going to be over Scherzer. Um, so that's going to be another very expensive contract. Like there's plenty of teams here who like, I'm just going to go all, I'm going all in right now. Yeah. Um, is um, DeGrom, Obviously, the Mets, they're going to be in play. I thought the Braves might be just because um, they needed the rotation. They, they, or they, they, at one point, they needed help in the rotation because they had Charlie Morton as a free agent for next year. But after signing Morton and then getting Strider done, I don't know if that's going to end up being their big move. I'm telling you, like, I would not rule the Braves out. In a scenario in which they don't sign Dansby Swanson, if they, I wouldn't, like, I could see them trying to get a guy like Trey Turner. Um, I think with what they've done with extensions for Austin Riley, for Michael Harris, for Spencer Strider, what it does is it obviously signs these guys long-term, but it gives them flexibility because they're getting these guys at deals that are going to be cheaper than they were in two to three to four to five years from now. And that could end up leading to a guy like Trey Turner. Um, And I had somebody today, um, who is, who's been exploring that market. Like he believes that Turner is going to get between Lindor and Corey Seager's AAV. And that is going to be, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty hefty deal. Like this person predicted the biggest off season deals are one Carlos Correa, 
two, Trey Turner, three, Aaron Judge. That's how he went. So we'll see how that goes and see if his predictions are right. But like, I mean, that yeah, we're already in the uh, the off season market here. So let's let's get weird. I got a yeah. Look. And and let's talk Braves a little bit, and then we can pivot to some of these questions as well. I think this is all one big spider web. Uh, the, the Braves sort of blew up our expectations this week too. Uh, everyone's got their eye, everyone's got their eyes on the Red Sox. Oh, are they going to extend Devers? What about Bogart's going to opt out? Of, and then the Braves were just like, yeah, we're in the playoffs, and we're still going to extend Spencer Strider out of nowhere. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos taking care of another young, like there was a young player he hadn't taken care of yet. Goes ahead and takes care of him during a week of pre DS prep time. Uh, I don't think anybody. I, I certainly did not see that coming. Uh, but it's another. It's another one, and it's another cheap deal long term. The Braves have this absurd core locked up for an extremely long time. Uh, is is that though signaling? Uh, and you you hinted at this by saying you know wouldn't be shocked if they do Trey Turner. Obviously, they got money lying around. Is this sort of signaling since Dansby is the only guy who doesn't have a below market extension that he could be gone at the end of the season, or is it just signaling? They know he's worth big money, and they're going to give it to either him or Trey Turner. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I'm not going to rule out Dansby Swanson returning to the Braves just because those two sides have been talking, and there's clear mutual interest. There's obviously going to be hurdles um, because I mean this is a, this is a big dollar extension, and also you got to remember um, that Swanson is represented by Casey Close, who is obviously Freddie Freeman's former agency. And there's, there's, yeah. Um, and it's as the, like, as they've continued these negotiations, the price tag for a guy like Swanson has gone up. Like there's people who predicted that extension would look in anywhere from like the six to, or six years to about 120 to 140 million. That, that price tag has probably gone up. Um, so it's, it's, it's the Braves are going to have to choose between that kind of deal or going after a guy like Trey Turner, who to me is a top two shortstop in baseball. I think he's going to age pretty gracefully too. Um, so I, I think the Braves are going to have to look at that as well, but it's just, an, it's another off season, um, de- decision that Anthopolis is going to have to make if it extends to the off season and it might get, it might get uncomfortable because last year, obviously, they had to choose between Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson, and the Braves could now have to choose between Dansby Swanson, Trey Turner, or any of the other shortstops who are going to be, be, be available out there. So it uh, should be another fun offseason in Atlanta. Casey Close is involved again. Uh, Doug Gottlieb, get your Twitter fingers ready. Uh, I promised I wouldn't mention it again, and so I broke my own promise. But now I, I certainly won't. I pledge. How, uh, how can we trust you, Adam? <laughs> you really – hey – <laughs> listeners viewers robert you can all trust me i'm just trying to land the ship uh am i going to make a few mistakes along the way obviously who among us hasn't but i certainly don't want to mention that agency flop ever again uh why are the braves the only team that does this uh why why can't any other mlb teams figure this out it's not like the braves are payroll strapped it's not like uh you know they're not the rays they're not operating on a shoestring why can't the Yankees do this with the you know why isn't oswaldo cabrera locked down uh, why don't the Red Sox do this with, with Devers and Bogarts and, and Tristan Casas even midway through next season? Why is it that only the Braves have figured out that in order to own the future power rankings, when you bring up young talent, you have like a year where you can just get them locked down and done with. And why isn't anybody else copying this method that obviously works? 
Yeah, I've I've been trying to figure that that answer out, and it's a complicated question and answer too. Um, and the only real thing that I've been able to come up with so far is that these players in Atlanta just really want to be there. Like a lot of them grew up in that area. And I'm not saying like those players from the Red Sox or Yankees don't want to be there. Cause that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, but the Braves have the homegrown factor. Like they did it with Michael Harris. They did it with Austin Riley. Granted those two have got a combined 300 million. So, I mean, it's not like they're getting totally short change, but like, I mean, Harris could be like a couple million, a hundred million dollar player in the future. Um, but like, it, it's, it comes down to geography. It comes down to other factors that I can't exactly get into right now. Um, and Anthopolis has taken advantage. You know what? He's done a very, very, very good job. And he's gotten an absolute heaping amount of praise behind the scenes for it. Um, yeah, the Braves, they have a core that not many teams can, can really compete with. Um, I will say this, though. If we're talking about a long-term core of young players that is really intriguing besides the Braves, I'm going, I'm looking at the Baltimore Orioles, man. They, uh, they got things going on in Baltimore. And that's also another one that, that these rival teams are wondering if they could spend big. Um, and I also wonder if a guy like Carlos Correa, who of course, Michael Elias knows from Houston could be in play there. Yeah. The Astros energy is huge there. And for the people who are only just realizing this now, because they scratched the surface with Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, uh, there's a lot more where that came from. Grayson Rodriguez by early next season, Colton Kowser, Jackson Holiday, Heston Kerstad is killing it in the Arizona Fall League right now. Dude, help. Yeah. Position dude. player core, a lot of dudes. Dean Kramer was great this year. D.L. Hall, like, more arms than you're thinking. That was the major criticism of the O's for a while. It's like, I'm not sure where the pitching comes from. Uh, now I'm starting to see it a little bit, and there's more offense you can even account for. Yeah, it's freaking impressive, man. And I, like, I've been able to like talk to people who are out in Arizona right now because basically everybody in baseball is flocking out here to go see their guys or like going to yeah. watch different players from different teams and um, been able to hear – different opinions and everybody's just been raving about the, the Baltimore Orioles. And I'll also tell you, there was, there was one game um, I was at the other day um, and it was Kamar Rocker. Um, and he, his, his, uh, his command was relatively shaky. I had some, some people were buzzing about that uh, at the game there. So I'm kind of curious um, if that means anything, maybe it's just nerves or whatnot, but like he was pretty, his command was all, a little all over the place. Yeah, I only got the reports from afar, but I saw, I believe, one swing and miss, which obviously is not the number that you're looking for. No, it's, that's uh, I think it was Joe Girardi said it's not what you want. Yeah, Joe G, who's having a, a rough 2022, by the way, because his uh, Philadelphia Phillies, who couldn't string two hits together without him, are up 7-3 on the Braves in game one of the DS on the road. Uh, sorry to Joe. That's also not what you want. Uh, let's do uh, let's just do a couple questions real quick before we move on. I know we want to talk about the Giants and got to get into the upcoming series a little bit, um, but I don't want to move past uh, Ryan last name. I assume that is Ryan. Is that your real last name? Uh, did ask about the Red Sox and Xander Bogarts because we did get into that. Um, and I know the two sides were talking already. Rumor had it they weren't talking for much of the season, but had met a few times in the final weeks of the season. Bogarts was going to go to Aruba and then get his bearings and come back at it. Uh, t- who knows if he's going to opt out or not? He probably will. Who knows if he is going to return to the Red Sox? 
it's not he's not ruling them out and uh, they have to come play in his ballpark though he's not going to go down and give him a hometown discount ryan's mm-hmm. asking if they're going to offer him more than like a five-year 150 million dollar deal um and if you've heard any news there i feel like a five-year 150 million dollar deal would, would maybe get that done but i don't know if you, you're hearing different figures yeah i admittedly have not heard figures so i don't want to like i don't want to pretend like i know what's going on there but i will say this is that there was um obviously the reports are out there that the, the red sox offered bogarts one year before the season and that went over like a lead balloon um that was not good um and that was clearly not going to get a deal done and that was more of a slap in the face than like than anything um and Bogarts's agent obviously is Scott Boris um I think he, yeah, I want to make actually start talking I want to make sure about that before I get into this next thought I believe that's right though um the Bogart situation is interesting to me uh especially because yes he he still does represent uh Xander Bogarts um, it, the one yeah. year, like, does the the one year slap in the face outweigh the love for the organization from before that? Because that's really a make or break. Yeah, and like, I wouldn't think it would um, it would impact the love that he has for the organization. And ultimately, baseball, like, I feel like this gets lost a lot. Baseball is a business, and you want to maximize your value. And that one year for I think it was what thirty million bucks or something in that range. Like, I can't remember what. Heyman exactly reported there. Um, that wasn't going to get a deal done. And Boris, he's going to want to get his player to free agency. He's going to want them to establish a value on the open market. And he's going to want top dollar. And whether that comes from Boston or a different team remains to be seen. Um, but there is a, a there is a real shot that Bogarts leaves. Um, and that obviously is not what um, uh, if the Red Sox had it their way, I don't think that's exactly how they'd, it would go. But um, there's a lot of, I mean, the off season hasn't even started. So like things can change obviously, um, at the drop of a hat, but, um, that if I was a Red Sox, I prioritized Bogarts for sure. Yeah. As would I, uh, whatever the cost, cause it's going to be lower than, uh, some others. Also just to clear up some loose ends here, we've got a lot of me- <laughs> endless Mets fans in the comments asking about potential <laughs> Mets bats. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, Rhoda Costello, what batter the Mets going to be interested in, John Francini, Jose Abreu a fit. I'm also seeing our, our Brian asking about Jock Peterson. Uh, the Mets obviously lacked for Thump this year, um, but they have a lot of questions to answer in their own backyard. Who are the bats that you maybe see them targeting this offseason? Yeah, I really like the, the Jose Abreu mention. Um, it's not because I've heard any inside information on that one, but it comes from a multitude of different factors is that the White Sox are going to have to make a decision on Jose Abreu because they have Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn who can fill into that spot. And they've also been playing out of position in the outfield. So Abreu can be at first base. Um, And also the Mets, they've really struggled at first base in DHs here. And that would be where Abreu would fit in. Um, and I, I think that would be a seamless fit for him. I think that'd be a very strong addition on a short-term, like one or two-year deal. Um, so I, I would not, like, I, I could definitely see that for sure. Um, but that's me more speculating than anything. But I'll, I'll be able to give you more names in the coming weeks. Like, I'm slowly like starting to get an idea of, of like what the market's going to look like. So we'll, uh, we'll have plenty for you if you tune into the baseball insiders, and also subscribe too. Uh, that's always important too. So thank you. 
Yeah, trust us Mets fans, uh, Army, who, who've shown up in the mentions here. Uh, when the offseason begins in earnest, we will have the names for you. We'll be on top of all the rumors as long as you subscribe and watch and tune in and listen to the Baseball Insiders uh, twice weekly, uh, Mondays and Thursdays, 3.30 Eastern time. We'll be right here feeding you all the information you possibly need. Uh, Want to pivot real quick to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, because not only are they going to be a major factor this offseason, we all know uh, the Aaron Judge chase, uh, they're going to be a part of that. There was a rumor from Buster only they're prepared to outbid the Yankees. If they do that, congratulations on signing Aaron Judge. Really could happen. There was a rumor this weekend that they wanted Trey Turner too. That was another chase. Uh, And the man who's going to be behind that is Astros assistant GM Pete Patella, uh, who is now they're going to be their GM under Farhan Zaidi. Uh, you wanted to talk about him specifically. I feel like you have some insight on this process, on this man. Uh, I'm wondering how that's going to sort of impact these really high-profile free agency chases. Because you and I have both said, like, hey, there's a lack of star power there. Uh, that team is all side dishes, no meat. And and maybe uh, with so many potentially impactful options, including a hometown boy and Aaron Judge, this could be the offseason where they pivot a little bit. Now Patel is the guy who's going to have to do that. So what are you hearing about him? I have heard for the last couple of years that this guy is an absolute rock star um, and that he was a key cog in what the Astros are doing in Houston and losing him is a pretty massive blow. Um, And it also, I don't think the Giants could have done better uh, in replacing Scott Harris. Like Scott Harris was viewed as like a legit, very good executive and losing him to Detroit was obviously a blow. Um, but getting Pete Patella um, was was very that was a very strong move by Farhan Zaidi, and even Patella he ended up um, he was a finalist for their job when they ended up hiring Scott Harris. So the Giants are plenty familiar with him, um, and I would I, I think it's just, I think it's just a very strong move for San Francisco. That's the only way I can really describe it from my discussions with rival teams is people who have dealt with him, people who have worked with him, absolutely rave about him. Um, and it would not surprise me if he went on the Scott Harris path where in a couple of years he became some team's president of baseball operations. Like he's that highly thought of in baseball. And the further you get away from 2017, the more people start to just remember and realize that what the Astros have built here is unbelievably effective and sustainable. This yeah. might have been their best season ever. So without uh, Carlos Correa so far removed from that scandal, uh, you know, there will be people who never forgive them, but there will also be people who are able to step back and go, how do they persevere through, you know, so much self-created scandal tornado that could have brought down any other team. They posted the best rotation wide ERA basically in the live ball era this year, 2.90 across the rotation in general. Uh, yeah. Justin Verlander is struggling right now with the uh, Seattle Mariners, but uh, that doesn't take away from their season whatsoever. They're an undeniable machine. They're the favorites in the AL once again. All they do is go to championship series. Usually they go to World Series. And so if you can get your hands on somebody who's responsible for creating that, you probably should do it. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I have a few thoughts as you say that. One, it starts with the Mariners. Um, Big Dumper is the best nickname in baseball. Uh, I just ever. Wanted to Maybe ever. Maybe ever. Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong. Although I will say this. I'm going to give an NFL comment for a second. There was a guy named Terrence Knight, and he was a defensive tackle for the uh, the Broncos. Uh, his nickname was Pot Roast. 
Um, and it was my favorite nickname ever as a kid. Like I wanted to get the guy's jersey because I love the nickname so much. But um, going going back into baseball, I, I can't believe I just dabbled in the NFL game. I can hurt around if you need me. I'm right here, baby. Arrowhead Addict, we are on uh, concurrently. You could be watching both right now if you wanted yeah, to. We should. Yeah, I'm tuned in. Uh, I'm, I'm not actually tuned in right now. I'm not tuned in. Baseball Sorry. insiders. Yeah, but, I'm uh, on a podcast right now. And um, you said what the Astros have done has been really impressive. And you're not wrong. Like, I mean, it's extremely impressive because losing Correa and George Springer and actually getting better, like that should not be a thing. Um, But it also makes it really confusing that there's been reports that there's tension uh, between James Click and ownership in Houston and that Click and Dusty Baker might not return. Like that to me would be, a really bad move. Um, like James click would get hired in an instant. Like some team would name him their lead executive or in a prominent baseball role um, quickly. Um, so I, I think that would certainly be a mistake. I can't say I've, I've, I've not independently heard those things, not because like, I'm not saying it's not true, but I, I just want to make sure that's not my information. It's other reporters information. Mm-hmm. Um and also the, the fact that the Astros have done this without Brett Strom, who's now in Arizona, like Brett Strom is regarded as the best pitching coach in baseball. Um, yeah. It's so improbable, man. Like it's genuinely like so freaking impressive what they've done. And it's a credit to that operation because they, they got themselves something that most teams dream of having. Yeah, it's the Patriots. You wait for that brain drain, and then you're just like, who are these other guys, and why is this still working? And, and not to do stack in the box here on this feed, but you know, that was 20, that was 20 full years. Uh, superstars came, superstars went, players' talent was maximized, etc. The Astros are in the ALCS every single year. They're in the World Series most years. Uh, the, the executives were stripped from the team. Players were sent away. Did not matter. Um, and so, yeah, if James Click does leave, and if Dusty Baker uh, leaves with or without a championship, I think we all kind of secretly want it. We, we wouldn't hate seeing Dusty cap his Hall of Fame case with a title, but then there's the Astros factor of it all. And so, uh, if he does leave with a ring this year, that maybe changes the equation. If he leaves without a ring, a lot up for discussion still. Um, but yes, you're right. It'd be foolish for them to sort of make a clean break there. Um, before we wrap, feel like we got to talk about the, the series that are upcoming. I don't know how we can't. Uh, obviously, we got the first <laughs> group extremely wrong. Uh, I don't want to repeat that again. I'd love to get these right. Uh, yeah. But we're, we're left with, uh, remember when you used to have no division rivalries before the AL and NLCS? And it was kind of weird. It led to reseeding and all that stuff. That is no longer the case. These four division series are three division rivalries. And the Yankees and Guardians, who got in a trash-throwing brawl earlier this year when oh, Miles Straw yeah. Straw tried to climb into the stands at Yankee Stadium. So there's bad blood between all four of these teams, all eight that are matched up. Uh, and specifically, you've got the, the Dodgers and Padres know each other really well at this point, the Astros and Mariners. Uh, <clears throat> the Mariners have not been a prominent AL West rival for a while, but certainly the teams are familiar with each other. And the Braves and Phillies. Um <clears throat> Now, I don't know if you feel like we learned anything in the first weekend that will make you change your pick here, that will make you move someone from wildcard weekend into the CS that you might not have considered otherwise. Uh, The Braves are currently losing game one of the Phillies. I don't think any of us are counting them out. 
The Mariners are currently up on the Astros. Again, not sure we're going to make a grand declaration from game one. Uh, but do you foresee any of the wild card weekend winners potentially moving on and advancing here? You know, I do. Um, and I mean, you can make a case for a lot of these teams. I, like the Mariners are a really sexy pick right now. And I act, I, I talked to somebody earlier today who I asked, he asked me for my World Series pick and I stuck with my guns. I said, Astros over Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, I'm going to go unconventional here. I'm going to go Braves, Mariners. And it was like, ooh, that's kind of like, it's pretty juicy. I don't have the same going ads as that guy. So give me the Astros in that series. Um, I have, I think the, or I think the Guardians have a very strong case to potentially beating the Yankees. I could see yeah. an upset there for sure. Like, especially with the Yankees' bullpen issues. Um, I want to get your take on that in a little bit, but I have the Guardians beating the Yankees. Um, I, I kind of have a feeling an upset's going to happen there. Give me the Braves over the Phillies, but I think that series is going to be relatively close. Um, and then give me the Dodgers over the Padres. Um, so like that's that's currently where I'm at, but I'm curious what you think and also your take on the Yankees' bullpen situation here. Yeah, it's tough because I don't really – I don't want to go chalk. I don't see how I can't pick the Dodgers over the Padres. The, the Dodgers went 14-5 and against the Padres this year. Game one is going to be started by Mike Clevenger, who's got a 9.69 ERA and three starts nice. against the Dodgers this season. Very nice. Arguably too nice. Um, but that's not the foot that you want to start on there. Say what you will about the boomer bust Dodgers offense, I think. Uh, it's hard to pick against them for that game one, at least. And I think the Dodgers probably win that in four. Uh, I think Braves in five, but you could talk me into the Phillies. I think the winner of that series goes to the World Series. Uh, I think the Astros in, in four. I think the Mariners are showing them that they're not to be taken lightly. But again, I think we'll all learn more about that as the series drags on. And yeah, I too um, struggle to make a pick on Yankees Guardians. I would like to pick the Yankees, and I would like to pick them in five, but I would not be at all shocked if the Guardians upset them. I think the series is much more of a coin flip than people are claiming it is. I think that, uh, you know, the Yankees went five and one against the Guardians this year and outscored them 38-14, and that's all well and good. Uh, Those games came in April and July. None of them featured Shane Bieber. The only one the Yankees lost was a Tristan McKenzie gem at the tail end of those six games, uh, they're facing Bieber in game two might get rained out on Thursday, which would give them even more rest. And they could line Bieber McKenzie up back to back on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Cal Quantrill, we did a stats quiz with him last episode where it was like, who is this weirdo who's 16 and six and 180 innings. It's Cal Quantrill. He starts tonight. Garrett Cole since July 4th has a 3.96 ERA or 3.94. It's right up there. Uh, it's not what you want. Yankees are nine and eight in his starts since that date. Uh, he is someone who gave all the right quotes recently about accepting the pressure. He's a born Yankee fan. He, you know, he, I don't think anyone says he, he doesn't bring the right energy, but this is his first home playoff start in the Bronx in three years. 2020 was his first season here. They played their home games in San Diego, 2021, hobbled entering the wild card game goes on the road of Fenway loses he's saying all the right things but we've watched him unravel a good deal this season 
I wouldn't be shocked if he throws seven one-run innings with 11 Ks. I also wouldn't be shocked if he gives up the two-run homer to Jose Ramirez in the first inning. Um, so I, I am picking the Yankees in the series, but I think it's going to be on tenter hooks the whole time. I think they're going to have to get to Bieber if they win this because I don't think they're getting to McKenzie in game three on the road. Uh, it, I think anything can happen, and I think the bullpen is extremely interesting to dive deeper into, like you said. Um, you look at the pitchers they're carrying. It's 12 guys. There's not a name in there that stuns you. Um, they've carried Tyler Lyons in the past. They've fallen in love with random guys in September and then brought them on at the back end of the bullpen. Miguel Castro is the guy who made it instead of Scott Efros, who is going down with surprise Tommy John surgery. That means the Yankees traded for Andrew Benintendi, Frankie Montas, and Scott Efros at the deadline, and none of them are going to play in October uh, unless Montas makes it back for the CS or Benintendi makes it back for the CS, but nobody in the first round. Um but the names in the bullpen, it's unsettled. No Marinaccio. Ron Marinaccio went out last week. No Efros. But there's not a name in there that, that blows you away and says, that guy can't appear in October games. Or, you know, there's not a set ninth inning guy, but there's no one who absolutely does not belong. Domingo Herman is going to get relief innings. He's been good. Clark Schmidt has been a bulk guy. He's been very good. Jamison Tyone is going to be in the bullpen for this series. Uh, and you want to talk about the Yankees maybe following the 2019 Nats or 2018 Red Sox path and using a starter out of the bullpen to close out big moments. It might be Luis Severino on a throw day moving forward. It's going to be Tyone immediately in the division series. Uh, like Zach Eflin is doing it for the Phillies. Tyone's best pitch is his fastball, 95-96 up in the zone. Maybe the stuff ticks up now. Uh, it took a lot of extenuating circumstances and some real Aroldis Chapman mess to get here. But the Yankees might finally be employing a strategy that has worked for two of the past four World Series champions. Uh, I'm weirdly less worried about the bullpen than I was this morning. I still think the series is extremely close. And I think anyone discounting the Guardians, just because their offense didn't do anything against Tyler Glass now and Shane McClanahan, should probably reevaluate things. Uh, I, I'm picking the Yankees to win, but if you know they could they could lose in three right this this game really is just going to pivot on a couple of moments in a couple of really tight games they don't play blowouts the yankees have only lost uh seven games this year by five or more runs they don't lose blowouts they play tight ones they're going to do it again all series long it's a team with really nasty pitching that is 26 and 6 in their last 32 not the team they dominated in april and july Yep. I think everything you just outlined with this entire series, totally fair. But I still have the Guardians at five, so I apologize for that. But like I get it. I t- yeah. I was this close to picking it. I just I couldn't quite do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're a Yankees guy. I mean, I can't I can't falter for that. But like it's uh that to me, I mean, I was about to call that the series of the week, but like also, Dodgers Padres is a freaking good one too. Like every single one of these series is freaking good. Like in the divisional round too, Adam. Like, boy, oh boy, yeah. I'll tell you, I am, uh, yeah, hype city USA population bird over here. Hey, uh, let me let good. me pass the uh, the city lines. I'm I'm into it too. I'm hype. Uh, the, the Dodgers going 14 and five is the only real blowout of the division rivals here. The Astros went 12 and seven on the Mariners but had a plus eight run differential. You're not going to see 19 closer games overall, especially where somebody goes 12 and seven and the Phillies Braves. That was 11, eight Braves 
but two four-game splits. The Braves swept a three-game series in September in Atlanta, and that was the difference in the season series. So anything can happen in any of these, as evidenced by Bryce Harper bunting, the Phillies rallying, and the Phillies being the team in the first round that benefited from the bullpen meltdown. How is that possible? But it was. That that was like the exact opposite of what we ended up talking about on our previous show. I said the Phillies bullpen, while they were better, could end up like being the reason why they lose in that opening series. And yeah. then lo and behold, I have a giant egg in my face. And I also just looked, and the Mariners are currently beating the Astros four to nothing. And the four second, nothing. Like hopefully nobody was watching this and then taping the game. Otherwise, like that would end up being. I would apologize for that now, but I'm like, sorry, folks. Yeah, and then also seven to three for the Phillies. Like, holy smokes, Adam! Baseball playoffs. Yeah, I, I, he just summed it up perfectly without even saying any words. I'm looking up the the box score from uh, Game Two, the Phillies uh, Cardinals Game Two, just because I want to make sure I get this right. This did happen. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who had an 11:30 ERA in September after coming back from injury, was brought in in the bottom of the eighth. Alvarado got Edmund Walk Newbar. Dominguez comes in, Pujol singles. First and second, one out against, uh, again, a guy with an 11.37 ERA. Strikes out Paul Goldschmidt, strikes out Nolan Arenado, sends the Phillies to the ninth. I mean, that, that's playoff baseball. That's why you want to talk about our, uh, we can harp on our own predictions all we want, but hey, maybe they were so wrong because people with 11.37 ERAs are coming in and striking out the heart of the Cardinals order. Maybe we were so wrong, we were actually right. Did we just blow your mind? I mean, you just have yeah, my mind is all mashed potatoes right now trying to decipher that. But I, I like, mean, no, we, were, we were wrong. We were wrong. Oh, yeah, we could have been more wrong if we tried. I'll tell you, it's that's why basically every prediction we just gave you go with the exact opposite. That's it. That's yeah, well, I don't actually do that because no, don't have don't faith in us, have faith in us until the championship series. Uh, those, those 111 win Dodgers, not enough people picking them for the fact that they are, uh, historically good at winning baseball games, but we're going to have to see it. Uh, a lot of little brother chirping at the Padres this past couple weeks, past couple months, past couple years. Pods have never been hotter. Got to do it one more time. If you don't do it now, no one's going to remember that you were 14 to five against them in the regular season. Braves can't defend their title against the under 90 win Phillies. No one's going to remember what you did in the regular season. No one's going to remember that 14 game winning streak. Yankees lose to the Guardians. We can tell you it's a coin flip all we want, but if they lose a series to a Cleveland Guardians team that's the youngest in baseball and nobody's picking, they're going to get clowned on. It, nobody's going to say, well, that was a coin flip all along, wasn't it? No, the Yankees are going to have to wear that one. And uh, the Mariners and Astros, if you let the plucky Seattle Mariners upset you with Justin Verlander and Framber Valdez at home in games one and two, you're going to have to answer for that, too. So the pressure is on the better teams here, or at yep. least the teams with home field advantage. The wild card series where we didn't even go to the road park, the home team lost three of those four. I mean, it's it, like that's why I like to say, Adam, baseball or postseason baseball is so unpredictable. That's why, like, especially in this case, like, like because I was thinking about this earlier specifically with just like the, the Phillies and the Braves series is if the Phillies get one of two in Atlanta and then they go back because it's, it's two, two, one, right? Am I making that up? Uh, yeah. It's two, two, one. Okay. So let's say the Phillies get one game in Atlanta. They go back to Philadelphia where they got Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Like mm-hmm. 
yikes, man. That, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, that would not look, that would be a very bad situation for the Braves. But that being said, if they were able to beat Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom and Chris Bassett, anybody's fair game. Granted, those guys weren't 100%, but still, if you can beat those guys, you can beat anybody. It's true. Anybody left can beat anybody. And the get-in price for Game 3 in Philadelphia, 300 last I checked, certainly rising now. Juan Diaz, disappointing season for the Mets, but you still feel in your heart Musgrove cheated. You can feel that way. That's why playoff baseball is great. I can't tell you not to feel that way. Um, John Boy did a great breakdown where Musgrove did not go to his ear basically ever. So, um, you know, if that's if you were cheating, you would probably be sneaking a couple of touches, uh, especially when the new balls came in play from, from going into foul territory. You would definitely be doing a, the old stretch behind the head. And oh, by the way, now I have to touch this baseball type thing. Uh, and Musgrove did though wipe his ear with his shoulder before the uh, umps came out to check him. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, that. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he was he was uh, deemed innocent, so I guess we can't really. I mean, yeah, he was he was deemed innocent, so I guess I can't say anything really. But deemed innocent, the spin rates were up for sure, but the spin rates were also up across the board in the playoffs so far. Makes you think maybe we're using a different baseball. I I don't know, but it, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just saying that the spin rates being up was not a Musgrove specific issue. But oh boy, I cannot wait for these next series to really get going. Already two great games on now, two great ones tonight. Tons of action across the country. Division rivalries heating up. Miles Straw returns to the Bronx. The Guardians show the Yankees what they're made of. One hell of a division series on the way. And here come the CS World Series after that. Then, oh, by the way, our bread and butter, the offseason. That's it for this edition of the Baseball Insiders. Robert Murray, thanks as always for joining me. I will be fantasizing about all those Astros resignations. Uh, so thank you for that as well. Yeah, anything for you, Adam. But it, it also, everybody, if you could please subscribe uh, so we can continue to do this, that'd be very appreciated. Um, and if you do, Adam, and I will both love you forever. So thank you. It's true. All you need uh, to get our unconditional love is uh, just clicking that subscribe button, tuning in every week. We'll be here for you. And we cannot wait to come back on Thursday when we'll know more about how these series are going to shake out. Already ridiculous. Nothing beats playoff baseball, except maybe the offseason and then maybe the regular season. Hey, baseball is just actually pretty great. We'll see you on Thursday.